0: Welcome back to The Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Bryant, and today we are talking about friendships, how to keep them what to look out for in the relationships that may not be so good for us. Mamas, I know this is a very timely topic for us, especially as we're, we're closer now to our families. We're, right now we're living in the time of the COVID-19 isolation. But even after this is over, we need to assimilate back into society and with our friends. And so the people we choose to surround ourselves with become so much more imperative that we keep people around us who are healthy. My special guest today, I want to welcome her to the podcast for the very first time, Mary DeMuth. Mary is the author of over 40 books and she's written about such great things that friendships is just one part of it. Mary, welcome to the Practical Family Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. This book that we're talking about today, this particular one, The Seven Deadly Friendships, I was attracted to it because of, well, because of the word friendships, but there's ice cream on the front of it. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that's the best part. It's it's strategic, (laughs) but it's ice cream that's melting, and I think that might be a metaphor for something, right?
1: Exactly. Things that don't go as planned or as you want them, which can happen in friendships from time to time.
0: Right. Now, I know you've written about topics specifically that have been struggles for many people, including abuse, including getting to know oneself and how to relate to God better in our relationships. And this one specifically, you're able to name different types of friendships and why they may or not may not be good for us. Can you give me a little bit of background and where that came from or what inspired you to do this book?
1: Yeah, I always, as I pray about a book that I'm writing or as I'm thinking about it, the Lord is really, really gracious to usually give me either a metaphor or a scripture. And as I thought about complicated and broken friendships and looked at some of mine, he reminded me of the seven deadly sins, which is found in Proverbs 6. And so I'm just going to read it really quick. There are six things the Lord hates, no seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. And that was the basis of the seven deadly friendships. Because I think when we think about sins, a lot of times I think we think about, oh, well, I stole something, or you you think about that kind of sin. But almost all sins are relational in nature. And so when you look at the seven deadly sins in scripture, they're all relational sins. And then so what I did was I connected those sins to types of relationships that we may encounter that are problematic for us and that we have to learn to grow through. And so I've named them and they are narcissist Nolan, Unreliable Uma, Predator Paige, Con Man Connor, Tempter Trevor, Faker Fiona, and Dramatic Drake. And uh, these are different kinds of folks that we encounter, but as I write in the book, They are also people to look in the mirror about because we could be faker Fiona and we could be tempter Trevor. So we have to not just point the finger at all the bad people out there and we're perfect, but also to look and see how we may have some of these tendencies in our friendship and how we may have harmed others.
0: Yes, and I love how you pointed that out, that it's not just other people we need to watch out for, because we could very easily position ourselves in that defense mode as we read about things like this. It's important for us to also be self-reflective and self-aware enough to know that, well, my tendencies may not be healthy either. I mean, just the other day, I was felt like I was listening to a friend, and then right away I went to solve her problem. And then I was like, shoot, she needed me just to sit with her. Why did I do that again? (laughs) And so it's that give and take when you experience a healthy friendship, which we'll talk about at the end, but needing to look at ourselves first. That is so important. So these types of people, can we kind of go over them? You talk about them exhaustively in the book, but I feel like I've been hearing a lot about narcissism lately and people warning against narcissists and I'm almost afraid that I start to see or feel narcissists in all of my relationships because it's this idea of someone who's so selfish that can't see past themselves or can't give back. What do you see happens commonly maybe in women's friendships where there's a narcissist and you can't really get through that?
1: Exactly. And it's important to remember that there's a spectrum there. There are people with narcissistic personality disorder who are exceptionally toxic and usually can never change, sadly. And then there's just a friend who's going through a selfish phase. And so those are two different things and there's a spectrum. But someone who has narcissistic tendencies at their root is someone who only can filter things through their own lens. And so even if you come to them with a problem, then suddenly they have the same problem or they conquered that problem or they somehow. Have to make it about them, and so if you're in a friendship where you find that you share your heart, but everything always goes back to either the other person's problems or their opinions, then you may have run into someone who's narcissistic. Now, 100% of the human race is narcissistic, we're all sinners, right? And we all look out for number one, so that's another point I make in the book is that. This is not a book to say, well, if they're one of these seven deadly friendships have to run away, then you won't have any friends. So there are degrees or times to walk away, but there's also times to work through and Mm -hmm. just to have healthy confrontation, which we don't do very well in the church. Oh, gosh.
0: Healthy confrontation, this may need to be the subject of an entirely (laughs) different podcast (laughs) episode, but it is worth mentioning because this is one of the things that a friend of mine mentioned when I asked the question on my Facebook page recently. She goes, this topic is hard for me because I know that I need to stay away from people who are unhealthy, but at the same time, I know I'm called to love as Jesus would. So when is that time then? All of us kind of need to pray through that and go, Okay, is this the time that I have to get the guts to say the hard thing? But, you know, they're going to be defensive. So, what do I do about that? For the sake of this episode, we're going to be identifying. And so, we have the narcissist, Narcissist Nolan. What about unreliable Uma?
1: <laughs> There's not a lot of people in the world named Uma, and I guess it could have been like Ursula, but then again, that's not a very great name either. So, oh, sorry to all the people out there named Ursula, it's an awesome name. But an unreliable person is just someone who you have perhaps been there for them many, many times. You brought food when they were sick, you've stopped your life for them, and the one time that you have a need for them. They never seem to be around. And then if you continue to have needs and they continue not to be around, then they become unreliable. Now, some of us, we go through that in stages. So there may be a time when your friend just had a baby or her parents are having a health crisis or there's all sorts of things that could happen and she simply can't be there for you. And that's where we offer grace because we know what life is like. But if there's someone who is consistently... Asking everything of you and giving nothing in return, it's a good sign that that is not a reciprocal friendship.
0: Right. There were quite a few comments on Facebook about that too. I started noticing that pattern of their givers and their takers, you know, how to distance yourself from people who are mostly takers. But again, like you said, the grace that knowing that people can change, maybe it's a life season for them, or maybe it's just a simple conversation that like, hey, I'm not able to right now, or I'm not as available as I maybe used to be. And that's okay. And maybe not even needing to explain, but the level of depth of one's friendship, I think, can facilitate a more specific conversation that, you know, this hurts me when this happens, but I love how we're weaving this with grace because we just don't know, can't tell all that's happening in someone's life. Right. Right. Um, Predator page. Tell us about what a predatory friendship might look like.
1: Well, this gets down to kind of the deeper levels of maybe mental health issues or deep brokenness that has not been dealt with in a person. And so they end up preying on others. Most of the time, if someone is highly predatory, there's really no other, there's no way to work that out with them. You just have to walk away. And so the only two people of the seven deadly friendships that I advise to walk away from if things are on the extreme is that narcissist and the predator. And if you have a predatory narcissist or a narcissistic predator, then really run 100 miles away because their bent is to destroy you. And we know that the evil one comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes he uses people in our lives to tear us down or to break us and to cause us to be just broken beyond, not beyond repair, because the Lord can always repair us. But one of the things that I've learned, and this may be helpful to your listeners, one of the things I've learned is it's really important that we look at the holes in our own life and find out where we're broken, because we tend to gravitate toward that. So for instance, I was raised by someone who is predatory, and I was raised by someone who is a narcissist. And I found that I kept pursuing predatory narcissists or narcissistic predators. Or, or, you know, people like that because I was trying to complete a question that had not been answered in my mind. I was trying to complete a story that had not been finished. The question I had was Can a narcissistic predator or a predatory narcissist love me? In other words, I'm asking, can my parents love me? I felt like if I could just find someone like that in the world that would love me, then I could prove that I was lovable to my parents. Now, all of this was stuck inside of my head for years, and I would pursue these very toxic friendships, and I would have all this bewilderment in the aftermath of why did that happen, and why did I find that person again, and why did this go on? And it wasn't until I found out about my wound and asked Jesus to heal him that I began to be more discerning about my friendships. That's powerful, right there, Mary. That's something that a lot of folks may be struggling
0: with that may not have been able to identify that that is what's happening. And I highly recommend that if you feel like you're carrying pain from your childhood and that please sit with a counselor. Even right now, if you're listening to this during the COVID-19 stay at home order, you can still talk with the counselor via telehealth and there are mental health care providers there that can walk you through that. This is something more than just a podcast or a deep conversation can heal. I really Really recommend seeking professional help if you need to unpack this for yourself. Mary, thank you for sharing that. That is hugely connective. So from predators to con man, who is con man
1: Connor and what will he or she try to do? Well, uh, we actually encountered a con man before we moved to France as missionaries. We sold our home to an actual con man and we lost everything and were forced to go into foreclosure when we were on the other side of the world. So we actually had that person, but this also can be someone who is looking at friendships for economic gain. And so if you've ever gotten a friend request from someone who hasn't been your friend for 15 years and suddenly they want to be your friend and then they want to tell you about some product that they want you to buy or something to sell and become part of their downline, then you know what I'm talking about. I won't try to step on toes by saying specific things, but if you are commodifying your relationships, in other words, if I'm only looking at my friendships as potential people to make me money, then that also is a conning type person. It's a person who is looking at relationship through the lens of financial gain rather than kindness and compassion and camaraderie and all the things that friendship should be.
0: Mm. Yes, I can attest to this, (laughs) that I have Mm. felt taken advantage of by people before, although this is an area for grace as well, because I think that folks, is there are a lot of women right now working from home and trying to find different Ways to earn income, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I think that the need to achieve or to reach goals and to sell can also misdirect that kind of communication and come across as really really ingenuine some people do it really well some people are able to sell in a very genuine way but yes if and this is a self-reflective thing as well for a lot of us right now who are spreading a message whether it's books or products or whatever it's like are we really truly loving and serving our audience and Mm -hmm not for what we can get from them, for sure. What about tempter, Trevor? What would a tempter look like even in a woman friendship relationship?
1: So tempter Tracy, we could talk about. There you go, tempter Tempter Tiffany. Tiffany. So tempter Tiffany would be someone who, whenever you're around her, you feel like you want to follow her more than you want to follow the Lord. Or Mm -hmm. if she's pulling out the worst part of you, and you find yourself not being faithful to God because of her influence in your life, then she is maybe not overtly, but she is tempting you toward, A lifestyle maybe that you don't want. And this could be like a friend that you've had forever, and they're just in a different pathway that you have. I'm not saying don't make friends with non-Christians at all. Of course, I'm not saying that. But if the person is unduly influencing you to sin and to keep sinning, and they encourage you to sin, let's say you struggle with alcohol, and they continually bring you drinks, that would be a tempter tiffany.
0: Okay. That makes sense for sure. So following someone like this and someone like this may also have the personality I'm picturing to be maybe extra charismatic or extra fun Mm -hmm. and you want to kind of follow them because they're so attractive or their lifestyle is so attractive. So many things get justified, even shopping or having stuff. I can see that happening for sure. What about Faker Fiona?
1: Well, she thrives in today's world. So she's someone that is not the same on the outside as she is on the inside. Mm-hmm. And she does really well with social media. So you can see her Instagram posts and she's curated her life. And I think we all do that. So I'm not saying that's wrong. You don't want to put up ugly pictures of yourself, you know, <laughs> really. So I get that. But when you meet her in person or when you have coffee with her, or you sit down with her, how she portrays her life and how it really is are two different things. And so you have a hard time getting to know the real person inside. And I think it's something that all of us have to look in the mirror about because we're all the stars of our own show right now. And it's very tempting to put on the best face for that. This is a lighthearted friendship. You know, this isn't someone you would run away from, like they're not going to harm you necessarily, but it's just hard to be friends with someone who maybe is not in touch with who they are on the inside and they become so addicted to the outside or the exterior that they've lost touch with who they are. And that can be, you know, a really amazing thing to pursue with a friend to kind of push a little bit gently to say, I don't care about that. I want to know what you think. Mm -hmm. And another thing about them is they may say like to your face, I have this opinion about Religious issues or political issues, but then on their social media might have an opposite opinion because they want to kind of go with the crowd and they don't want to bother anyone. And so that's another indication of someone that's kind of faking it just to kind of fit in. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and that seems to come back to an identity thing and what can be done with a friend like that if they're willing to persevere with us could be very transformative. It makes me think about on social media when. If we're not ever able to admit mistakes, you know, on social media to the world or admit that we feel not perfect all the time, if there's a very huge fear behind being honest like that, then that may be something to look at. We could ask ourselves, you know, well, why am I doing this then? Am I just trying to fish for send emoji reactions or comments and what am I trying to accomplish right now on social media and who are my real genuine friends that will sit with me and love me for exactly who I am. So dramatic Drake. I can try, maybe guess what this one looks like. but
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is the one I resemble. So <laughs> um, this is your friend, okay, Amy, who tends to dramatic, you know, just be dramatic about things and One of the things that is a hallmark of someone like that is that they, if everything's going well, they feel like they have to create chaos to feel okay. Like they can't just have everything happy and normal, it makes them freak out. So instead they like, oh, I've got to make some drama because that's my normal. And maybe they grew up in a chaotic environment or a very chit-chatty household or whatever. This is someone like that. And they can be hilariously fun friends to have, but when they're taken to the extreme, you can end up being tied along their adventures with them and it can be very, very exhausting. So if you find yourself walking away from an you know, interaction with a friend, being extremely exhausted and just like, I don't even know what just happened or what just hit me, you may have a dramatic friendship like that.
0: Well, Mary, you don't seem like the dramatic or exhausting type. <laughs> <How are> you?
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> how does this work out in your own life? <laughs> I how think do you feel like you're dramatic?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's for me, you know, again, I've, I'll be real honest and talk about the past. Cause a lot of our... Uh, issues with relationships go back to our past. As a little girl who grew up as an only child and who is often neglected and never noticed, there was a tendency inside of me as a little kid to just need to be noticed at whatever cost. And so my tendency growing up before I met Christ was just to do whatever I could to be noticed. So I think that after I met Christ, that's been you know definitely healed and is healing and is better than it was. I just have that tendency, so I have to watch for it.
0: Mm, I see. I see. So again, back to knowing ourselves and our tendencies and why. Asking Mm -hmm. ourselves, why do I do the things that I do? (laughs) Because we all have motivations, right? We all have motivations and we all have defensive triggers that do come from our past. And so when you write about the seven deadly friendships, identifying them first, and I love what you said in the introduction that we're all an amalgamation of the mess. Mm-hmm. We all can kind of encompass some of this at one point or another. You know, the older we get, hopefully, the more in touch with our true, real selves that we are—that who God made us and what He's called us to do. But moving into health, after having been, there's a story I hear from a lot of women: after having been betrayed by another woman, it makes them so afraid to jump into other friendship and this is the case for me too and sometimes i'm just like well i mean is there anyone out there who's really interested in what i'm interested in because i feel kind of weird sometimes i'm kind of a book girl i'm kind of i love learning i'm a teacher but people tend not to want to be friends with teachers lest they try to get taught about things again <laughs> you know? but but it's accepting ourselves for who we are and noticing what we have to give to others so you talk about two biblical characters Joseph and Jesus both of whom were betrayed by friends both of whom had to keep relationships going what did you want people to understand about these characters from your book seven deadly friendships
1: well of course we can look at Jesus as the model for everything and and I was just thinking about this today I have a podcast where I pray for people every day and I'm going through the gospel of Matthew and I just read about the time of Judas betraying Jesus and I thought about the fact that He pursued him in relationship already knowing he was going to be betrayed. And so that's amazing to me. And that's really profound. And that's why I also brought Joseph in because Joseph was like a real live human being who wasn't Jesus. And he had to learn how to work through all of his angst and pain and eventually getting reunited with his brothers and being a part of God's redemptive plan for the nation of Israel. I mean, it was pretty amazing story, as we all know from Genesis. But I guess I just wanted to share those because I love the word and I think there's hope. One of the things that happens when we are betrayed by somebody is we tend to put a wall around our heart and we build it brick by brick and we have this thought to ourselves and we think, well, it's up to me. I am my own protector and I will do whatever it takes the problem is, well, the good thing is when you build a wall, the awesome thing is you can't get hurt because no one can get through. The bad thing is there's no joy because you don't, you're not in a relationship. And what the Lord has shown me many times is the very thing that harmed you is the very thing that heals you. So if you've been harmed in relationship, he will take you to good relationship to heal you. But if you keep the wall up, you will never have that opportunity to heal because you will be putting your arm, your stiff arming someone who might be the very avenue of healing So, a little example of that is when we were in France as church planters, we had a lot of relational discord, and especially with Christian leaders, which is really hard. And as we were flying back for good, kind of made a little vow, like, I'm not going to be friends with Christians, Christian women, Christian leaders, blah, 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 blah. So, we get back and we're flying into Texas, and I'm kind of having this ho hum attitude about I don't want to be friends with anyone. And we are going to live in the corner of a barn. It's right around Christmas. My name's Mary. So it's kind of poetic that uh, Mary was living in a barn around Christmas. There were (laughs) cattle. It was the whole thing. And when we got there, I didn't even know if we were going to have Christmas because we were utterly devastated. And when we got to this little apartment, our friends had decorated the apartment. They had put up a Christmas tree. There were presents under the tree. There were cookies that had just been made. Our beds were made. The pantry was stocked. And I felt like the Lord said, here's your moment. You can either walk into relationship and be healed of all of this trauma, or you can stiff arm it. And it wasn't easy. And there were many times of stiff arming and all of that. But those people, the positive, good people out there loved me back to health. And so that's this principle. What's harmed you is what heals you. And it's, yes, it's frightening. It's terrifying to take a brick off your wall, but the Lord is good and there are good people out there and it is worth taking the risk.
0: Amen. And that's exactly what it is. It's a big fat risk Mm -hmm. to put yourself out there again because when we're wounded, it hurts. And that's our natural defense to put up a wall. I love that you use that analogy because so many people can relate to that right now. Women have hurt me, or maybe your own relationship with your mother, you know, that has not really showed you how women can relate to each other in a loving and positive way. But they're out there. They're Mm -hmm. there. I have prayed many, many times for God to send me close to my heart women, when I didn't feel like there was anyone to relate to, or what do I do? Do I move or do I wait for someone to come to me? And this is where a lot of moms are finding themselves, especially if they've chosen to come home and homeschool, which is a large part of our audience right now. Well, probably all of them.
1: hundred percent.
0: <laughs> so the issue is finding your village, right? Especially when we have felt betrayed, moving into health feels like more of a risk than it's worth. Thank you for Mm. reconfirming that it's hard, but it's doable. That's Mm. the hope. What have you found, Mary, in your strongest, most healthy relationships? What are the characteristics of that
1: friendship versus the folks we need to stay away from? Well, it's people who assume the best about me. I've had some friendships break because people jumped to negative conclusions really quickly And didn't give me the benefit of the doubt, or didn't even bother to ask a question to clarify it. And so that's a really positive thing of a good friend is someone who will be kind enough to you to say, "Yeah, that was you know painful what you said, but I'm sure you didn't mean it," or "Let's talk it through," or whatever. And and then just longevity is helpful, just having those long term amazing friends and someone who loves Jesus who causes you to want to be like Him more. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things, and a good listener, someone who listens.
0: Good listener, not a fixer. Quit trying to fix. Yes, <laughs> this,
1: is where,
0: <laughs> this is where, I mean, you know, it's funny and I constantly have to pray about it too because I hear women complaining more about like their husband's trying to fix things. I just want to talk. I just want to talk. It's like, well, girlfriend, think about the way that you speak to your friend because this is how I tend to be because I jump to the end and I don't sit with them long enough. And so it's realizing what each person needs, and that's where it's going to take time to fill out what's most important to your friends. I can tell you that when I am able to sit in front of someone and they're actually hearing me and they're repeating what I'm saying and they understand, they don't just go straight to their own example. They sit with me longer. It really shows love, respect, that give and take emotionally that is there. It's not just what we do for each other, but it's how we feel with each other too. So healthy relationships then, praying that we can learn to practice those things. And in the book, you talk about the seven life-giving practices. There's so much in this book to be gleaned, but what are some of those practices?
1: One of them that's really helpful is to invert the behavior of someone. So if someone has harmed you, if you can use that, instead of causing you to become bitter and angry about it, to invert the behavior and say, oh, this is a cautionary tale of how I don't want to be. And that's a more proactive way to deal with someone who's harmed you. And then learning to vocalize your journey and being able to say, this is where I'm at. And talking to your friend about where you are and where you've been and where you're going has been really helpful to me. Of course, that's just comes naturally to many of us. We just naturally talk about that. And another one that I'll end with is just verifying expectations, because I think that's where a lot of friendships can really break down is we might have like this expectation of our friend that you are my best friend, you know, we, that came back from third grade. And so we expect them to remember our birthday and to be there for us at all times. And maybe that's just not the right expectation, or at least verify it or talk about it so that there's not hurt feelings when someone doesn't meet some unspoken expectations that you've never even said, and then suddenly you're angry for no reason. Right.
0: That is so important, Mary, for any relationship to clarify expectations for sure. And maybe just not having them as high for some of us, you know, Mm -hmm. we can't expect the world of people or we can't expect equal reciprocation in every circumstance because then it just becomes a tit for tat. Like, well, I only love you based on how much you do for me and the equal amount that I do for you. It all needs to be flexible. It needs to be fluid. And as you said before, grace has Mm -hmm. to reign in every area of that relationship.
1: Even if everything goes wrong in your friendship, Jesus is there and he is empathetic and he understands what it's like to be harmed in friendship. And so if everything falls down around you, he will always be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He sees you and he understands that pain.
0: You're listening to Episode 94 on the Practical Family Podcast. How to Identify and Heal from Hurtful Friendships with author and speaker Mary Demuth. It was a pleasure to have Mary on the episode to lend insight not only to the reason why she was motivated to write this book, but how much her personal relationships have impacted her decision to do so. If any part of our conversation resonated with you today, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me at Jen, J-E-N-N, at practicalfamily.org, or share in our Practical Family resource group on Facebook. If you've got two minutes after this episode finishes, please navigate over to iTunes on your phone or your computer and leave us a rating. The Practical Family podcast is only possible because of listeners like you who share the love by rating and sharing episodes with their friends. Thank you so much for being a faithful listener. This is Jennifer Bryant with Practical Family, where we are strengthening moms for real-life struggles, helping you to discover your gifts and embrace grace.